The following sermon is from the archives of Dr. Stephen Olford. It was preached during his distinguished ministry at Calvary Baptist Church in New York City. Continuing the sermon series, God's Answer to the Burning Issues of Today, our title, God's Answer to Juvenile Delinquency. Our text, Psalm 119, verse 9. Now, here is Dr. Stephen Olford. Pray to us that everyone who knows the power of prayer to lay hold now of this tremendous secret weapon which beats back the forces of evil, which releases the power of God in a service of this kind. Would ask those who've come into this service tonight and perhaps have never learned the secret of the leadership of Jesus Christ. Would you like to sing? Would you like to pray? Would you like to know tonight the truth you've just heard, that Jesus leads me all the way? Jeremiah the prophet could say, Thou art the guide of my youth. Will you put your hand into the hand of Jesus Christ tonight? By faith, stretch out to meet his grip upon your life. Life is a maze. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ways thereof are the day ways of death. And there's only one way through that maze. It's Jesus Christ, our Savior, our guide, our friend. Lord, speak to our waiting hearts in these next few moments as thou hast indeed through the ministry of music, and grant that someone here tonight, aimless, lost, and hopeless, may find in Jesus Christ a Savior, a guide, and a friend. We ask it for his dear name's sake. Amen. I'm going to ask you to turn to one of my favorite verses found in the book of the Proverbs, found in chapter 2. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou shouldst incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thy heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures, thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Then I want you to turn back to the book of Psalms, Psalm 119. Psalm 119, that's the longest psalm in the Bible, and I want you to look at verse 9, Psalm 119 and verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? In the series we have been conducting here on Sunday evenings of late, entitled God's Answer to the Burning Questions of the Day, we've dealt with a number of subjects, God's Answer, to Vietnam, God's answer to onlookerism, God's answer to civil disobedience, God's answer to racial discrimination. Tonight, amongst many other subjects, we're going to talk about God's answer to juvenile delinquency. One of the epidemic questions of the hour is what is happening to the youth of this generation? With the long hair and the short hair, with the mods and the minis, with the Beatles and the monkeys, with the teeny boppers and the hippies, with the beatniks and the peaceniks, with the sit-ins and the love-ins, with the psychedelic and the ectoderic, with the tuned-in and the tuned-off, and even with more that we could list, what is happening to our youth today? We must hasten to add, however, that the complaints of the older generation against the young people of today is nothing new, young people. Absolutely nothing new. In 1880, 
the Hindu philosopher Tugur complained of Western young people and he said, they are especially perverse. They show the effects of your whole system of life in the West. And he was challenging Britain at the time. He was sure that no good could come out of the era that included Winston Churchill, Herbert Hoover, Franklin D. Roosevelt, Dwight Eisenhower, William and Charles Mayo, Toscanini, Charles Kettering, G. Campbell Morgan, only to mention a few. 6,000 years ago, the following words were written on an Egyptian tomb. We live in a decadent age. People no longer respect their parents. They are rude and impatient. They inhabit taverns and have no self-control. 6,000 years ago. But dear young people here tonight, when we turn from secular literature to what the Holy Scriptures have to say, we find the same evaluation. For in the verses we have just read, we find a message to young people of every age. In enunciating eternal principles, David asks the question, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? And back comes the answer of the centuries. By taking heed thereto, according to thy word. With these tremendous words, by taking heed thereto according to thy word, I believe we have God's answer to juvenile delinquency. So in this text, we have two tremendous thoughts that are going to engage our attention for the next few moments. First of all, the delinquency of youth in every age. For we've seen there's no difference between now and 6,000 years ago and even before that. And then we're going to consider the expectancy of youth in every age. The delinquency and then the expectancy. To the first, the delinquency of youth in every age. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? That's the operative word. Wherewithal shall a young man, a young person, a youth cleanse his way, her way? In David's penetrating question is implied the basic problem of youth in every age. I'll tell you what it is. Cleansing of your way. Cleansing from sin. In another place, the shepherd king looks back on his youthful days and cries. In Psalm 25 and verse 7, Remember not the sins of my youth. Remember not my transgressions. Oh God, whatever you do, remember not the sins of my youth. There is such a thing as the delinquency of youth in every age. And David calls it the sins of my youth. Professor G.A. Cole asks this question, What ails youth today? Then he lists the faults of this generation in the following words. Craze for excitement, immersion in the external and the superficial, lack of reverence and respect, disregard for reasonable restraint in conduct, and for considerate reticent in speech, conformity to mass sentiment, going with the bunch, Lack of individuality, living nearly in the present, general purposelessness, dearth of serious intellectual interests, and an absorbing concern for dress and pleasure. Knowing young people as I do today, I consider Professor Cole's analysis both accurate and biblical. In other words, there are sins of youth in every age, and in this remarkable analysis, we have them set out for us. And I bracketed them under four words we're going to consider at this time. 
There is, first of all, the delinquency of thoughtlessness. Young people, listen to it. The delinquency of thoughtlessness. The Bible says the thought of foolishness is sin. I mean that the thought of foolishness is sin. The first and foremost sin of young people in our day is that of thoughtlessness, as it has been down through the centuries. In the words of Dr. Cole, the lack of reverence and respect, the disregard for reasonable restraint in conduct, and for considerate reticence in speech. This explains the rebellion against authority in the home, rebellion against authority in the school and on the campus, the rebellion against authority in the church, the rebellion against authority in the world generally. It is not because young people want to be rebellious for the sake of being rebellious, but because they're utterly thoughtless. They don't take time to think of the consequences of insubordination and insurrection. To them, such behavior is a great experiment if it is not a great joke. They do not understand what the Bible means when it says the thought of foolishness is sin. And I haven't been 25 years in youth work over across in Britain and in this country, in the universities and campuses of both countries, in my own churches, and especially during the war amongst young people continually without knowing that in every age, one of the foremost sins of young people is that of thoughtlessness. And I want you young people to challenge your hearts right to the very core tonight on this issue of thoughtlessness. I wonder how many kids in this very church tonight wrote a Mother's Day card for your mother. I wonder how many of you thought to write a little note just to thank her for what she means to you, what sacrifice, what patience, what love she has lavished upon you all the days of your life. Thoughtlessness. There is the delinquency then of thoughtlessness. There is the delinquency of restlessness. The Bible says the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. Restlessness. Cole says that this generation is characterized by a craze for excitement, immersion in the external and the superficial. Once again, this explains the phases through which young people pass and the fads that they popularize. It, if, if it is not music, it is dress. If it is not dress, it is drugs, and so on. In New Jersey, a little while ago, a drug ring was uncovered involving as many as 50 youths. Four of them said that they had been consuming between 2,000 and 3,000 pills every year. And with that 2,000 and 3,000 pills, no less than 2,000 bottles of cough mixture during the 12-month period. The drugs used by these teenagers were described by the police, and I quote, worse than marijuana and enough to stop their hearts. In another place, teenagers were found to be using the core of an inhalator designed to relieve nasal congestion. Dissolved in a water solution, they took this substance, injecting it, injecting it into their main veins. Why? Just to produce what they called a hepped-up sensation. I picked that right out of a mass of information that I could have quoted all through this evening, merely to show what Cole says is a craze for excitement, immersion in that which is purely superficial and transient. 
This then is the craze for excitement. This is the restlessness of youth, the delinquency of restlessness. The wicked are like the sea, casting up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith our God, to the wicked. Have you ever stood on the beach of some wonderful seashore and watched those waves come in continuously, casting up the sand and the dirt and the debris from the wreckages? Continually those waves come in, continually those waves go back, and so it is with the restlessness of youth. There is a delinquency of thoughtlessness. There is a delinquency of restlessness. But again, following the analysis of Dr. Cole, there is a delinquency of aimlessness. The Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Long ago, the Greek philosophers puzzled over what they call the three basic questions of life. Where do we come from? Why are we here? Where are we going? They guessed wrongly and admitted it. Modern youth today guesses wrongly, but they don't admit it. God has made us for a purpose, and failure to achieve that purpose for which God made us and designed us constitutes falling short of the glory of God, missing the mark. It's sin. It's a delinquency. As Dr. Cole puts it, there is a lack of individuality, general purposelessness, and a dearth of serious intellectual interests. This is the sense of aimlessness which we see about us all over America today, all over Europe today, whether it's New York City or Paris. And this aimlessness is reflected in the fact that, listen carefully, listen carefully, suicide is the number two cause of death amongst college students today. Number two cause of death amongst university students today. Suicide. And amongst those aged between 15 and 19, it is, it is a case of a number of suicides every day. There are no less than 500, yes, 5,000 a year, says Dr. Stanley Yoles, the great psychiatrist. There is nothing more tragic than to watch the hopelessness and listlessness of aimless youth. I don't think anything strikes my heart with more pain than to walk through our park or down our streets as a minister of the gospel with a hunger and a burning longing to see young people claim for Jesus Christ and to see them being carried, as it were, down the streets of time like shavings blown by the wind, carried down the stream of life like dead fish without any moral courage to swim against it, caught up in the herd instinct, going with a bunch, without purpose, without aim, without direction. There is a delinquency of aimlessness. But in the fourth place, there is a delinquency of worldliness. The Bible says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. To cite Dr. Cole once again, youth today is absorbed with a concern for dress and pleasure. I do not suppose there's ever been a time when youth has displayed more variety in their taste of dress. Indeed, import and export, we're told, have had their trends determined by the tastes and the likes of youth today. It's a craze for dress, and alongside of that, a craze for pleasure. Parties, lovings, and unspeakable forms of diversions and perversions abound on every hand where youth is under control. 
To quote Dr. Cole once more, more young people are living merely for the present without any thought of the future. Here then are four characteristics of juvenile delinquency. David called them the sins of youth. Unfortunately, unfortunately, as in every age, so today, the situation has not been helped by parents. God help you, parent. God help you, mother. God help you, father. It's not been helped by educators. Alas, alas, they've lost their authority. They've lost their direction. It hasn't been helped by preachers either. I'm sorry to say, even behind the pulpit. Answering the question as to why young people commit suicide, Dr. Stanley Yoles, whom we quoted a few moments ago, declares there are five categories of problems that trouble adolescents. Listen to these five problems. Number one, number one, parents, parents. Number two, poverty. Number three, peers. That is to say, the educator, the magistrate, the preacher. Number four, broken romances. Number five, pregnancy. But nothing which is taking place amongst the youth of our country today cannot be explained within the context and structure of those four words that I picked out of the analysis of Dr. Cole and from the scriptures that we have quoted, namely thoughtlessness, restlessness, aimlessness, worldliness, called in scripture the sins of youth. King David was given a profound insight when he wrote the words, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? The word really is, wherewithal shall a youth cleanse his way? Profound insight, I say, for that word has a derivation from the Hebrew. And the Hebrew word carries the thought of a mane of a lion. A mane of a lion. Now this is most suggestive to those of us who've watched that monarch of the forest in all its glory. 17 years of my life in the jungles of Central Africa taught me many lessons about the lion. And says King Solomon and David as well, youth, youth, in using this word, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. Wherewithal shall a youth cleanse his way is the mane of a lion. What has it got to do with the mane of a lion? I've seen the lion in the forests. I've seen that mane erect with a line that's bad. I've seen that mane restive, flopping from side to side with the restlessness of a great beast like the lion is. I've seen that mane matted with blood as the lion entered into conflict. I've seen that mane lying flat as he leapt through the forests. And as I thought about that and thought about it seriously since, I've said, that's youth. That's the picture of youth. That's thoughtlessness, restlessness, aimlessness, worldliness. I speak from experience, for I passed through those tough years of the ups and downs of youth. I can still remember when those restive, sanguine energies of mine found no anchorage, when I discovered that the world was against me and I was against the world. I didn't even understand my parents, and they didn't seem to understand me. I know this picture and I can see it in my mind's eye, it's the mane of a lion. Delinquency of youth. Whether you understand the picture or recognize it, whether you'll admit it or not, I look into the mirror of the word of God, the canopy challenge, and that's you, young person here tonight. But for God's grace, God alone knows where you'd be. A drunken sot down in Greenwich Village tonight. Bleary eye!
full of drugs, living an immoral, perverted life, ashamed to ever face your parents or your church or your home again, in prison with a lot of other perverts. You could be anywhere but for the grace of God. Thank God you're in a sanctuary on a Sunday night listening to a gospel message. If that's the delinquency of youth, then I want to ask, what is the expectancy of youth in every age? Oh, thank God for the second part of our text. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? Answer, by taking heed thereto according to thy word. The great question of David's echoes the eternal expectancy of youth in every age. In spite of delinquency, youth has an expectancy. That's why I asked Pastor Jury to read those words from Solomon, and he says, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, and the years draw nigh when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. What is he telling us here? He's telling us that youth, first of all, is the age of greatest impressions. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. It has been well said, earliest impressions are longest impressions. This is also the age of greatest innocence. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth while the evil days come not. Now while God makes it quite plain that there are the sins of youth and that every one of us is conceived in sin and shapen in iniquity, it still remains the fact that youth is a period of comparative innocence. Indeed, youth is the time to teach the mind that hasn't been poisoned Youth is the time to gain the ear that hasn't been deafened. Youth is the time to claim the heart that hasn't been hardened. Youth is the time to control the will that hasn't been taken captive by Satan. But supremely, youth is the time for Jesus Christ. Yes, remember now thy creator in the days when evil hasn't come. When you say, I have no pleasure, no pleasure in them. I have no pleasure in those things I used to hear. You see, youth is not only the time of greatest, greatest impressions, greatest innocence, but greatest interest. I have no problem in talking to a young person full of life and zeal and full of expectancy, but it's a hard thing to convince the hoary-headed. The years are behind him. He has no more interest. Therefore, God's answer to juvenile delinquency is God's answer to juvenile expectancy. And David spells out for us how this hunger and longing in youthful hearts is to be satisfied. He says it is by taking heed thereto according to thy word. And there are two important considerations which are bound up in this answer of David's. And I want to put it in a form that you young people will understand. Here is the first one. There must be an allegiance to a cause. There must be an allegiance to a cause. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. To David, the answer to juvenile delinquency was allegiance to a cause. And that cause for him was God's word. Let us remember that the text I have chosen for tonight is found in Psalm 119. And if you were to glance down, you'd discover that there are 176 verses in Psalm 119. What is more, every single verse portrays some aspect of God's Word. For David, the Word of God had become not only a message, but a ministry. Not only a challenge, but a cause. The Divine Word had straightened out his own life despite his youthful thoughtlessness, restlessness, aimlessness, worldliness. And now his one ambition is to share that secret wherever he goes. Just casting my eye down this psalm, I see in verse 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The word is a saving power. 
In verse 45, I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. The word is a sanctifying power. Oh, how I love thy law, it is my meditation all the day. How sweet are the words to my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. The word is a satisfying power. And so we could go on right throughout this psalm. To him, the word of God had become a saving power, a sanctifying power, a satisfying power. Therefore, a cause to support. This is what young people need today, an allegiance to a cause. This explains why they go with the bunch, why they go with the bunch. To quote Dr. Cole once more, why they go with the bunch, they want a cause to follow. Give them a cause that works and they'll buy it. William Crook, director of volunteers and service to America, calls the youth of today a committed generation. Notice that, a committed generation. In a Gallup poll of college students, he shows that the main interest of young people today across this country, significantly enough, was serving other people. The comment of one student is revealing, and I quote, Life is too short to be content with using only a fraction of one's potential. I want a goal in life. I want an objective to which I may give my whole life, all of me, all of me, something worth dying for. An allegiance to a cause. Lewis Castles, the religious editor of the United Press International, sends this generation of youth has an abiding contempt for phoniness. They hate phoniness. The hunger is for that which is real, urgent, inspiring, a cause to follow. Billy Graham has declared that the rebellion of young people is not against God. It is not against Jesus Christ. It is against the institutionalized church. And strangely enough, the greatest proportion of folk who come to his great evangelistic crusades are young people under the age of 25. The same responsiveness has been reflected in reports of campus crusade, intervarsity fellowship, and youth for Christ, not to speak of other youth movements across our land. So first of all, there must be an allegiance to a cause. And that cause, young people, that cause is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ revealed in the word in all its saving, sanctifying, and satisfying power. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? Wherewithal shall a young woman cleanse her way? Wherewithal shall a youth straighten out his life? By taking heed thereto according to thy word and allegiance to a cause. And that cause, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the word. That's the word. But there is another and very important aspect to this expectancy of youth. There must be an obedience, not only to a cause. There must be an allegiance, not only to a cause. There must be an obedience to a Christ, to a Christ. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? The answer is by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Even though he lived centuries before Christ, David conceived of God's word as expressed in a coming Messiah. In prophetic language, he quotes our Lord, saying, Lo, I come in the volume of a book, it is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Thy law is within my heart. And he's quoting the Christ who's coming as one who embodied the very word. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. That word embodied in a coming Messiah. And in case this statement should be challenged by anyone here, I would remind you of the words of the Master even Jesus Christ, when he quoted David, saying, How then doth David in the Holy Spirit call the Son of God Lord, saying, Lord, sit thou 
on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. For David, obedience to the word was nothing less than obedience to the Lord. And there is nothing young people want more in their lives than to obey somebody they can really trust and really follow. Follow him all the way. One young collegiate in California explained why he rebelled against his parents, and I quote, It bored me to think of living the nothing life of my parents. Is there anything at all that can demand my whole life? We need answers that make sense in this no-win, no-lose, nothing kind of existence. They are my parents' hypocrites. They pretend to like things that kill them a little at a time. At least we're trying to snap out to get with it. You may not like our methods, but at least we want to live alive with honest hope and maybe someday with purpose. It means something to us to find if life is about anything. Somebody to trust. Somebody to love. I believe that represents the genuine longing and expectancy of young people everywhere. They want somebody who can be trusted. Somebody who can love. Who can save who can guide, who can bring to fruition all the expectancy of youthful desires. How wonderful to know that in our Lord Jesus Christ is the complete answer to those youthful aspirations, to youth's expectancy. He died at Calvary's cross to give himself for you. He rose again the third day to give himself to you. And the glory of this gospel is not only that it's a word to preach, but it's a life to live. When Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died at Calvary's cross for the sins of youth, as well as the sins of old age, rose again the third day, communicates himself to you by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, so that Christian living is Christ living again in you, breaking through into the center of that personality of yours, living his life through you, thinking through your mind, looking through your eyes, speaking through your lips, working through your hands, walking through your feet, loving through your heart, radiating out through your life, Christ living again in youth today. And that's what he wants to do. That's why he came into the world. This is what David means when he says, by taking heed thereto according to thy word. What word? The living word. The pre-incarnate word. The incarnate word, the crucified word, the risen word, a living word, Jesus Christ. I want to ask you as I close tonight, despite the delinquency of youth, there is an answer to the expectancy of the youth. It is an allegiance to a cause, even the word of God. It is obedience to a Christ, even the son of God. Do you want, do you want an answer to your life, young man, young woman? Do you really? Will you let this word this living word in Christ become Lord of your life. Pray from the depths of your being, just as I am, young, strong and free, to be the best that I can be for truth and righteousness and the Lord of my life. I come. This is David Olford. You have been listening to a message from God's Word delivered by my late father, Dr. Stephen F. Olford, who went to be with the Lord in the year 2004. If you wish to learn about our online resources or learning events at the Institute for Biblical Preaching, our web address is olford.org. That's O-L-F-O-R-D dot org. You also may want to benefit from our online video training on expository preaching, which can also be found on our website. 
Thank you so much for listening.